You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan, on this conference championship weekend, Big Giants News. Grump, the football gods once again have cursed me with an impossible situation for a championship game. I had to deal with Georgia, Alabama in the college football championship, and now I have to deal with Boston and Philly in a Super Bowl. So the hits just keep on coming for me. Well, I, I thought Dave Tollefson had a really good point. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but uh, he said, I don't care how many Super Bowls the Patriots win. It just makes mine shine brighter. And that's sort that's of true. I mean, it's a really good point. Literally the only team to beat them in a Super Bowl. That's true. But, you know, each with each passing year that, you know, we're talking almost 10 years since the last one. Um. You know, I want to start getting back there. You know, we. You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, that's great to always hang on them, but they're like, whatever, dude. We've also potentially can be about to win our our seventh. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like, it's a nice little needling point, but would you rather be the Patriots with seven and two losses to the Giants or the Giants, you know, who beat them twice? And that's it. I don't know. Yeah. They've had, you know, it, it's been 18 years of dominance. This is. They've been to the conference championship game seven years in a row. I mean, think about that for a minute. You know, no, it's it's nuts. You know, it, I w- it, it's it's insane. I, I want to pose something to you. Um, how much success do you think the Patriots would have had if they were in the NFC East instead of the AFC East? And the reason I say that is not necessarily because the AFC East is full of inept owners like um, Ireland and Miami. And, you know, Woody Johnson with the Jets. Not necessarily just that, but the NFC in general seems a bit tougher than the AFC lately, doesn't it? It's cyclical. You know, it's cyclical. I mean, you had – remember, he had a deal with Peyton Manning and a really good Indianapolis team for years. Yeah, but you know, when it's just one this- team, it's just that conference championship, really. Yeah, but you have to, you know, you're talk. You see how the Giants on a year-to-year basis how injuries affect the team, you know, and it's just it's amazing whatever injuries come their way. I mean, even yesterday, uh, you know, Gronkowski's out. Yeah, eh, no big deal. <laughs> you know, it's it's just like whatever. Um, I I just think it's the the preparation of a game plan that Bill Belichick does. The key for that team of not being emotional with their players when someone peeks out, they're not going to sign that next contract with them to be stuck with dead cap money yeah. for fading stars. It's just, uh, you know, they, they they're a machine, you know. And I think, you know, other than Tom Brady, if you ask, you know, Patriot fans who your second favorite player on that team is, I think you're going to get a whole over this last 18 year run, you're going to get a variety of answers. It's not like you know, oh, it's Scottie Pippen to Michael Jordan. Or you know Dwayne Wade to LeBron James, or you know any any one of these type of guys. I mean, it's it's just a machine. They have a game plan. They have a overall roadmap of how they want to be successful, and they achieve it. It's absolutely true, and a lot of it comes down to coaching. Um, but before we get too much into that, let's let's go right into Giants news. Uh, today, this is being taped on Monday, as always. Um, officially named. Uh, Pat Shermer as the head coach for the New York Giants going into the next year. 
Um, and it's amazing, Grump, because I had no idea about this until Jay Glazer told us in the fourth quarter on the sideline report of the game. I had no idea. I mean, I knew the Giants had no coach. I know that they were interviewing <laughs> some guys. And then Jay Glazer has this breaking news that he's going to become the coach tomorrow. Holy shit. That the, is – The advent of Twitter has journalism. really done more than anything. It's killed morning shows and it's killed um, sideline reporters because I don't need your update on the injury. I knew 10 minutes ago. Yeah, it, it's really meaningless, those guys, and especially for something like that where you know, they can it, – it's amazing how for years I always thought Fox was a better broadcast than CBS and you know – the emergence of Tony Romo in the broadcasting booth, and it's just – I think it's elevated um, Jim Nance's game and everything. And it's just – Fox just seems way behind now all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, they have a, it's like that goofy-ass pregame show where you have 13 people just – all they do is who can tell the – crack the bigger joke and who can laugh the loudest. And, and you're right. With Twitter, there's no need to watch those dumb shows. And it's just you – know, after you listen to Romo for, for three hours analyzing plays before they happen – and then you just hear Troy Aikman, well, they got to make a play. That's a heck of a play. It's like, thanks, Troy. Didn't you retire because you had concussions? I think they're starting to impact you now. So the Minnesota game was an absolute disaster. Um, I don't know about you, but I shut it off. Uh... No, I stuck around because I had to see that fucking commercial one more time with that annoying Man. guy. And then an annoying guy with uh, the Chevy, that little you know, swarmy uh, – I don't know what the hell he is, but oh, I, I can't get enough of those two commercials and those two guys. They make me run out right now and get a new Chevy and get in, you know, with my Verizon phone. Dilly dilly, I couldn't agree with you more, <laughs> man. So, uh, welcome to Cranky Crank with Crank and the Cranky fans. So, he's a, you're on you're on fire today. All right, so that game was an absolute disaster. I gave up on it because it just. It, it it goes to show you what uh, what a really good defense can do, and it's not to take anything away from Pat Shermer. It's not also to lend him credence and put all the blame on Case Keenum. The, the Eagles have a really good defense. Uh, Minnesota has a really good defense too, but they just have more weapons on offense. They have a better quarterback. Nick Foles was starting for a long time. Case Keenum was not. Yeah, I I thought one of the silliest uh, storylines going into the week was I mean. They treated uh, Nick Foles like he had no right arm. Yeah, he, he was he was like, a bona fide starter for for a yeah, while. Yeah, and he, and these and storylines of you know the the worst case scenario is a Blake Bortles uh, Nick Foles Super Bowl, and it's like no one's gonna watch. I mean, we'll get into that in a minute, but no, you win a playoff game. I know a lot of people. I'm a big defender of Tim Tebow, but he did something that a lot of quarterbacks haven't done in this league: win playoff games. Yeah, he have the same amount of playoff wins as. Uh, Tony Romo, or does he have one exactly. less than him? I think he had one less than him. So, I, you know, and, and you know, we've seen this a lot of times in conference championship games where it's a complete route and everything just sort of clicks. I mean, Kerry Collins' greatest game in the NFL was the conference championship game against the Vikings in 2001. Uh, we, we, we've seen this in the past. I mean, how many times did Buffalo beat the shit out of somebody to go to the Super Bowl willing to lose in the Super Bowl? So, Football's a game where momentum and and key plays and, and uh, a penalty here and a turnover there and everything snowballs out of control. And that's kind of exactly what happened in this game. Well, I mean, the proof was in the pudding last week. Uh, you know, 
Minnesota got off to a roaring start against New Orleans, who has a shitty defense, and they allowed New Orleans to creep back in there. You know, you had to know that going into this, you know, they they weren't going to be able to roll all over the Eagles' defense the way that they did against New Orleans. I mean, they had the benefit of having a strong lead in the New Orleans game and still only barely won that game. Yeah. So, I mean... Shit, Atlanta should be kicking themselves because they they should probably should have beat Philly in the, in the the earlier game too I, last week. I was furious that Atlanta lost that game. I couldn't believe. I, I don't want to go back into that because that last they they had that game won and let it happen. Right, but the the point being is that what happened last week has really no impact on what happens this week. Yeah, and I think that's true. kind of my theme. My theme for watching the game yesterday and listening and reacting to Twitter, and I'm guilty of that as well. I was a little, you know blah about the uh you know at the end of the game of how minnesota's defense was uh, offense played is that don't let the last thing you saw give you an impression an impression of going forward for the rest of your life you know people all you giant fans are now are like down on pat Shermer and well, look how shitty they looked yesterday are any of you people putting nick Foles in the hall of fame because of what happened yesterday in hall of fame numbers yesterday it's one game look at the body of work over the last year two years five years before you or you're completely out on somebody. Well, shit, man, and look yeah. at look at this whole season cumulatively. Yeah, they had a really bad game against a really good defense away in a in a conference championship game where the where pressure's on the line. You know, you look at this year with Case Keenum and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thiel- and Adam Thielen. That's really it. Those are your. Th- I mean, you know, do you think really that Jarek McKinnon is some Hall of Fame running back or anything like that? I know that they invested in the offensive line over over the offseason but it's still not the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. This is this was not the perfect recipe for a backup quarterback to come in. And, you know, they came in the front runners just about. Were they they ranked 2 going into the playoffs in the it's, NFC? It's an, ama- it's an amazing story how both of these teams made it to the conference championship with a backup quarterback because we've been preaching this forever. You know, we started the show last year saying, you know, all the Eli scenarios, you know, why are we wasting our time worrying about Josh Johnson versus, you know, Geno Smith versus even Davis Webb? When we said, well, if Eli goes down, season's over, case closed. Well, guess what? That happened to both of these teams, and they both made it to the conference championship game. And, you know, Nick Foles is 60 minutes away from a very winnable Super Bowl right now, the way Philly's been playing, the way their defense is playing, the way they match up against New England. So I, there, there's nothing really definitive to take away from Pat Shermer in this game. And remember, he's coming in as a head coach, so he's going to implement an offensive strategy which is in line with Dave Gettleman's overall idea, his philosophy for what it takes to be a winning football team, and that's to have a strong offensive line. The weapons on the outside are already there. Sterling Shepard is good in the slot. Odell Beckham Jr. is arguably – I don't even think it's arguable. He's a top-five wide receiver when he's healthy. Evan Ingram has shown that if he can just get his drops under control, which I don't think are really all that bad, he's a, a legitimate mismatch threat. Um, and I think personally that Rhett Ellison is was completely undervalued this year and was not utilized at all, but is really good at being very balanced as a blocker and a receiver. He's got he's got pieces to work with. I yeah. mean, the offensive line is going to be a major thing and just kind of re- Giving this offense a new mindset, you know, it's it's going to take some work. I mean, this team is not just a tweak or two away from having 
No, no, no. What I'm saying is that the, the outside weapons are there. They can focus yeah. on the inside. I mean, there's more out. There's more talent on the outside than the Minnesota Vikings have. I mean, I would put. I mean, I would say sure. Stefan Diggs and, and Sterling Shepard are pretty close. Maybe Diggs is a little bit better, but I mean, I would put Evan Ingram over Kyle Rudolph as a as a receiver. I'd put Odell Beckham Jr. above Adam Thielen as a receiver. Oh sure. And and you know, quite frankly, Eli Manning is. Far better than Case Keenum could ever dream to be, even at his well, age now. <laughs> I mean, he's not as mo- he's not as mobile. Yeah, I, I, I don't that's, know. That's for I sure. Mean, again, that's going to be one of the main decisions. The first thing this organization is going to have to do from the top down is make a decision on Eli Manning. Whether it's, you know, obviously, you know, 2018, most likely he's going to be your starting quarterback coming out opening day, but. They have to make a decision on what the you know the the horizon is with him because well, well let me ask you something if you're on a playoff run are you going to take him out well <laughs> just hypothetically just hypothetically hypothetically no I mean, if you're leading the division and say you're ranked third in the conference no right of course not okay so I mean that's uh, the decision you make as the season either goes the way you want spirals out of control right. but they, I, don't, I they don't have that's I'm just saying is that it's not first order of business if he's the starter on opening day then that's it. First order of business is well, getting I, I'm, the business. I'm talking longer than 2018. I'm saying, you know, if they're they're making the decision this is going to be the last year of Eli Manning, and then they're going to, you know, start preparing for the future. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 suppose I, so. I didn't mean, you know, or if they're going to decide, you know, he's not going to be the starting quarterback, and that's the end of it, and we're starting the rebuild now. Whether it's Davis Webb, if they draft a quarterback, if they bring a free agent in, who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a whole new offensive coordinator. It's a whole new head coach. They're going to evaluate Davis Webb after a full year of being on a pro team with a pro offense. And remember, he was only uh, – I, I don't know about that. I, I think the decisions going to be – I mean you have a draft coming up. You have a number two pick. Oh, that's a good point. Well, I'm not the, I'm not the person who's going to 100 percent say you need a quarterback, you need a quarterback, you need a quarterback. But the decision – you know, that decision, what are we going to do with Davis Webb, just moved up a year at yeah. least because of this pick. Yeah. Um, I and, think so, yeah. I mean, we could do this annual. We could do this weekly thing, which I'm always going to preface with. Let's see what happens in free agency. But you know, maybe we'll do some little barometer each week of do we think they're drafting a quarterback or not. It's going to be interesting because because the Giants have not been very good at in the last couple of years sending out smoke signals. It seemed like the whole world knew who they were eyeing with, like Leonard Floyd, uh, you know, etc. Um, who was the other one? Jack Conklin. Uh, it, it just seemed like everybody knew who they were eyeing, and so teams were jumping them. But this is a new staff. I mean, Dave Gettleman is not Jerry Reese at all. Uh, I mean, he's a little bit less mysterious in the way he talks at press conferences, but the smoke signals that send out, that get sent out, that may change. We we don't really know. i tell you one thing that kind of, you know, this is such a stupid copycat league where I've already heard some dumb talking head saying, maybe this year is proof you don't need a uh, – a tough like quarterback to win in this league because you know, look look at the look at the four quarterbacks that made it to the uh, you know the conference championship games and I can't disagree with that anymore. You know and I and I always say this on Twitter and I've said it on this show a thousand times that exceptions don't prove rules. I get it that this year Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles made the conference championship game, but ten times out of ten I'm I want to go into battle with quarterbacks better than those three. It just so happened because of circumstance, you know. Deshaun Watson doesn't get hurt. I don't think Jacksonville sniffs anything in January, you know. Andrew Luck. 
Andrew Luck is back. Yeah. Jacksonville doesn't play in the playoffs. Might be the third best team in their division. You know, um, I, I, I completely disagree with that. And I think you need a quarterback, you know, and that's the, the your easiest path to success. Look over the last 40 years. Don't look over this well, one season. So I think there is, there is a recipe to win without a top flight quarterback. They have to be the right kind of not type flight, top flight quarterback. They can't be trying to do too much. They have to know their limitations, stay cool. You know, there's certain characteristics you still need. But the thing is, is that with a top flight quarterback, you set yourself up for a team that can win over several years. When to 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 counterbalance not having a top flight quarterback, you need such a strong defense. You need a strong offensive line more often than not. You need at least one big playmaker on the outside. Uh, strong running game. I mean, and what happens there is very, very somewhere sound, along the line, yeah. somewhere along the line, multiple pieces are hitting free agency and you can't afford them. So you get that one shot without a top flight quarterback, and then after that year, you, you know. Jacksonville, if they don't replace Blake Bortles, will not be in the conference championship next year. It, yeah. it, it's just there's there's too many players. They might be the exception only because they have so many very recent first-round picks on that team just based mm-hmm. on just bad luck over the last couple of years. But that's the point I'm making is that it's it's such a team thing that – Eventually, you're going to run out of these free agents that you can't afford anymore. Right, right, right. I mean, I think Jacksonville. I, I think they're going to make a run for a quarterback, and you know, I know it seems too cliche, but I think they may try to make a run. It and they may kick the tires with the Giants and see about Eli Manning. Sure. This is not. You know, we we we. we I've said you know maybe we get a quarterback with the the second pick, but is there anybody out there that just jumps off the page as being an Andrew Luck or, you know, a, uh, well, no, that's, that's been his prospect. That's so, been my I, I narrative guys that are going up. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I can totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised. I honestly, I was very surprised with Nick Foles and just the way they were able to convert on third and long, third and long, third and long. Yeah. I mean, okay. Minnesota's defense may not be the greatest. It was, it's pretty good. It's pretty, it's pretty damn defense. good. I would say top yeah, five, a solid defense, but the fact that how they converted over and over and over again, it was just, was crazy, especially after you know Minnesota. They score on that first drive. That opening drive thinking, was beautiful too. But exactly, and then that was it. I mean, it, it looks to me like Philly's defense is something that can match up really well with New England. You know, the, the narrative was well, Jacksonville's defense is you know set up to stop New England. I this didn't understand that. That was the narrative, but I didn't understand why people thought that. I mean, pass rush. They thought they thought they get a pass rush on Brady, and they had none. I mean, they had some at, at key points more in the first half than the second half, but I, I I think I maybe tweeted this during the game. I don't know, but the, that two minute drill, I find that defenses tend to overthink it. You know, when you're inside of two minutes, and I mean like a minute fifty eight, a lot of times you see them just sort of guarding the sidelines and giving them the middle of the field mm-hmm. because they think that they're going to win on the clock. I mean. That's so much time to to get say, a in field goal range, and if it's Tom Brady, they're just going to march down the field, and that's exactly what they did. It, would, they, it took them like five plays, and it was still like a minute on the clock after they had scored. I know. <laughs> um, I think that I don't think necessarily that Jacksonville's defense matched up well with New England's. I think that New England spreads the ball around, and AJ Boye 
is an uh, is a target. Uh, you know, he's not very good as a corner. He gets flustered. He's very handsy, uh, penalized a lot, and he was in this game. He was abused, and that was the matchup that Brady went to. It didn't matter where Ramsey was. He was just going to throw away from Ramsey. Although, I mean, right. you know, he picked on him a little bit, but not too much. But that that's my point. I think I think I don't think that Jacksonville's defense is as balanced. They, they matched up better with. Pittsburgh's offense where they really have one guy down the field and everything else is the dink and dunk that requires, you know, making a guy miss. I think that they're too fast for that. New England doesn't really do that so much. Agreed. Um, let's talk about how great I am because I'm awesome. Uh, well, the show is only a half hour long, Grump. Yeah, if we want to put this on to a long miniseries, we could do that. Like a yeah, maybe we'll Lord a, of the we'll, Rings triple trilogy. Go we'll, for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have the, the bonus episode of um, how Specifically, awesome why are you so great, Grump? Because two or three weeks ago, I, I saw myself as the only one. I didn't see anybody else say this. You know, Oakland's forcing out Jack Del Rio for John Gruden. Don't really know why. Really good coach really good defensive coordinator what are the chances the giants take a look at him and lo and behold he is being reported as the front runner for the defensive coordinator position and you know it's a perfect match in terms of on paper uh, you know jack del rio runs a 4-3 defense he runs a very aggressive defense um he has head coaching experience but, the, but he's succeeded as a head coach and a defensive coordinator because he keeps people in line. Uh, you know, in Denver in 2012-2013, he had some sort of rogues in there with, like, Aqib Tlaib, who's kind of a personality, etc. Um, kind of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, he's a dickhead. Well, well, but, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, this is – and he tends to have a very, very good secondary, which, is, you know, is personnel-based. But, you know, the Giants have a great secondary, and they looked like shit this year. Uh, so there's there's more to it than that, and he gets after the quarterback. I mean, there's no Von Miller on this team, but there needs to be. So it, it's definitely a match that would I think work. It's going to obviously depend on his interview, etc. But well, let me ask you something: Would you rather have Spags back, or would you rather go with Jack Del Rio? No, I I I would rather have Jack Del Rio. I mean, again, I have never met these guys, so I don't know what their coaching assets are in the locker room and getting guys lined up but you know spags didn't do anything to quell any sort of drama after ben mcadoo had left there were still issues with eli apple and landing collins uh it it, it didn't really go i mean i i get it it's apples and oranges a little between head coach and defensive coordinator but like davis webb still wasn't prepared to start or or play at all during those games while he was the coach and quite frankly yeah quite frankly the secondary is where most of the drama was coming from all year yeah and not only is that the defense but that's like his specialty is the secondary so right bottom Uh, line is we didn't see we didn't see a team rally around this guy that they wanted him either to be the head coach back or even on, on the defense so i and don't get me I, wrong, I love the guy and I'd like him back, but if it's a choice between him and Del Rio, I have no problem going Del Rio over Steve Spagnuolo. I'm always in the opinion that when you bring in a new head coach, and especially a new GM, you clean house, you flush the toilet, and you start fresh. And if some, you know, you're throwing away the baby with the bathwater a little bit, so be it. You know, so I, I have no problem with it. You know, you look at his resume, you see more bad things than good things on Spags' you know, 
coordinator and head coaching resume. So I, I'm I'm fine with it. On the flip side, um, if you look at Jack Del Rio's defensive coordinator uh, statistics, uh, they're out of this world. With the exception of the 2013 Denver Broncos season, where they where they ranked 19th total defense, which is on the lower side. You look at the 2002 Carolina Panthers; they ranked second. Um, you look at the 2012 Denver Broncos, and they ranked first, I believe, in total defense. Second. That was the Tebow year. 2012 was yeah. Peyton Manning. Okay. Um, but the whole thing—the whole thing with even the Tebow year was just—they had this amazing defense, you know, and it was enough for a Tebow to, you know. Get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. It was just, you know, a, a rock-solid defense. Yeah, and, you know, th- there's a pattern there. Uh, he has more often than not ranked his defense in the top five in the league. And mm-hmm. Those Jacksonville teams when he was the head coach were not bad defensive teams. Either. No, 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 no. But, I mean, but if you're, if you're going to look strictly at his defensive coordinator years, they're, they're consistently yeah. in the top five with an outlier here or there. Um, so it's the it's the absolute flip side of Spags. Um. I, I, I would be totally fine with it. One more thing I thought was interesting before we get back into talking about yesterday's games was the announcement about Dave Gettleman is going to do a complete revamping of how the Giants evaluate talent in college. Um, in the previous regime with um, with Jerry Reese, they tried to fit players in based on body type, speed, size, and that's what they drafted to you know, regardless of production in college actual stats well, actual I, performance. I wouldn't say regardless right? I think that they valued it more valued than it other higher, teams yeah yeah let's, let's say it that way then that's fair yeah that could put somebody who had one sack in four years but was a big guy mm-hmm. but you know um he is uh Gettleman is definitely going to weigh the equation a lot more on performance are these guys football players mm-hmm. can this guy play so I think that's gonna be interesting I think a lot of uh you know high risk you know, with with a potential big reward for some of these guys that he drafted, you know, injuries be damned or something or whatever history was. But oh, he fits the size. Mm-hmm. This guy's six four, two eighty, and runs a four three or something or, or whatever. So, yeah, it's seems... interesting to see going forward. So I have mixed feelings on this, and it's a little bit complicated. So uh, hang hang tight for this little ride. Uh, Go for it. I don't want to. So I don't think that that narrative that that philosophy extended so much to the earlier picks in the draft. Um, you know, Odell Beckham was, he, he doesn't have exceptional size or even exceptional speed. If you look at this combine results, he didn't have exceptional production at LSU. Um, there's, there's things like that in there. I mean, the, the only one that sticks out to me where they started attacking, uh, I guess, potential overproduction and I don't mean Eric Flowers, where there was kind of nobody left on the board, and they went with a guy with a high ceiling. Uh, I'll say Eli Apple over Vernon Hargraves. Mm-hmm. You know, Eli Apple had better speed; he has better height. Um, well, I, I think I think this assessment is more based on the later rounds and yes. like the first round. Yeah, exactly. So this is more the Adrian Robinsons at round four, and mm-hmm. uh, Bay Odigizua in round three, etc. And what, what Dave Gettleman said is that he went to Carolina thinking he was going to implement this giant system. And when he went there, he actually liked the Carolina system better. He threw out his thing and stuck with theirs. 
And when he came back to the Giants, he was like, I don't like this. I'm putting the Carolina system in here. So that's really what he was saying. And he based it on the fact that he said the Giants had too many guys. There were too many guys in the league succeeding and producing that the Giants ranked as a C. Um, And that was like his his basis for keeping this Carolina system. My problem is that Dave Gettleman hasn't had exceedingly successful drafts in Carolina. There, there's no like, they're pretty comparable to Jerry Reese's if you look them up. It's, it's not like the secret to his success. So while I'm in favor of what he's saying, I'm not just taking it and running with it. I have mixed feelings about it. I think he's looking for more. I don't know if the right word is stability in his drafts than kind of like the super high reward or the super busty year. Yeah, I think what. What kills a team more than anything is a complete bust in a class. And if it's one class that's a bust, it will set you back. You know, it, it changes how you handle free agency because you may have different needs that you may have not have. You know, not having your the years kind of staggered. You know, this guy's a third year guy, fourth year guy, fifth year guy, or something. So I think he's looking for more, maybe not super top heavy, the potential for it every time, but like preventing that badness. Yeah. Or that wasted year too. So, and I think it's just a, a mindset and a philosophy, also. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for the philosophy overhaul, and I, it's just such a strange time when you switch a GM like this, like because you know it's the end of the year by the fan standpoint, but for scouts, this is the middle of the year to be switching yeah. how you're supposed to be grading these guys. I mean, they yeah, haven't that's made very interesting. They yeah. have not made their big board yet, but all these notes that they're taking when they visit these schools and watch the games, they're based on what they're used to looking at for the last 10 plus years. So it is, I don't know, it, it may not pan out this year, but that doesn't mean it's a failed strategy. Right. Well, I mean, as giant fans, we have to realize, you know, I get that this league can go from bust to boom in one year. I mean, I remember the end of December, I was on a road trip driving down to Florida and I was going through Philly listening to WIP and they were ready to torch the entire Philadelphia organization. You know, they wanted to hang Peterson in effigy. Everybody was a disaster. Now look 12 months later in the Super Bowl. But again, those things are more of the exceptions than they are the norms. This giant team is going to have to be at some level rebuilt. It may not be a massive overhaul, but it's not a one-year fix. So don't look at don't look at every move, every decision, every free agent signing, every draft pick, every cut as, you know, the end-all be-all of everything. These are pieces that are being put together. It's it's going to be a long process. It's not going to be – I know the Giants fans are going to be looking for such a big turnaround. Well, I mean there's really not much lower they could have went, but they're looking for a big turnaround. It may take two years, three years to really get the ship fully turned around. Yeah. I mean to me – you know, again, remember now we have Philly in our division who has the potential – to be a powerhouse in this division for the next couple of years. So, you know, it's not going to be like, oh, we have this you know, cakewalky division anymore. So I'm really kind of targeting 2019 as the year we really can compete again because we don't know. We may have quarterback turnover this year or maybe next year or something. So hopefully by then the Gettleman plan will be put more into place and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So next week we have an off week with playoffs. Um I don't know that we'll be covering much of the the Super Bowl hype 
which yeah, is usually I mean, just bullshit stories anyway. We may have a quick segment on who we think is going to win or something, but yeah, I don't need, we don't need to get into all the uh, let's blow Tom Brady, let's blow Bill a check. You know, yeah. Eagle fans are assholes. I mean, they, we don't care about these stories. Nick Foles, blah blah blah. Yeah. It means nothing. I just want to get this over with. <laughs> to, to be very blunt. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. So Pat Shermer will not be. This is interesting. Pat Shermer will not be making his press conference partially due to a snowstorm um, on Tuesday or whatever. He won't be making his press conference, but he will be going to Mobile, I think, to senior watch bowl? the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl. Yeah. Senior Bowl is always down there. So he's getting It'll his ass right to work. How about that? Yeah, I mean, we heard, you know, right after the game yesterday that he wasn't, you know, nothing was official. He was going to have his exit interviews today and do all that before he had his entrance interview with the Giants and before you know it. He's announced as the coach. So we may have I some news next week on the defensive coordinator. We don't really know. Yeah, I mean, uh, all coordinators and all everything. I mean, we just have to figure out who the offensive coordinator is going to be. He hasn't said he's going to be the offensive coordinator, has he? No. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't. This is the first he's said anything. Yeah. Well, next week there will be a show. We won't know what's on it. Yet, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, unless unless uh, iTunes and SoundCloud decide to cancel us, yeah. you can oh, find yeah. us in either one of these places. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go to iTunes, search the podcast, Just Giants. SoundCloud, Just Giants Podcast. Yep, yep. Yeah, and uh, shout out to the uh, the guy at Wells Fargo in St. Pete, Florida on Friday who helped me out. Uh, went in there to get some banking information ended up talking Giants for a half an hour. So uh, hopefully hey, you're that? listening. And if, you, and if you are, tell all your friends about uh, – the Just Giants podcast and make us uh, big stars so we can actually get media passes next year. All his and friends maybe in Florida. All his friends <laughs> in Florida surprised. listening. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, Look, I, Rump, I you, were, you were at the game in Tampa. You saw how many Giant fans there were there, and we sucked this year. Yeah, I mean, but I was also on the plane with all of them going back, so. <laughs> You're passing out business cards? Were you? Uh, no, not you know, then. Well, no. good thing he's the. He's, He's not the grump for nothing. He's not a marketing major. <laughs> yeah. He just tells it as it is. Yeah, just just grumping around. How can they find you on Twitter, Grump? Yeah, yeah, at football underscore Grump. I will have all, all your information, witty comebacks. I like arguing with people. Um, sometimes it's funny. Most times it's not. But it's always informative. Um, sort of like the giant season. Yeah, yeah. After, after the Super Bowl – and I mean, like immediately after, because I don't really give a shit who wins this game. I mean, I don't want Philly to win, but I, I fucking, I, I could maybe not even watch this game. I really don't care. But I will have a lot of draft analysis. I'm going to sit down and watch college prospects because I'm a loser, and uh, I'll have a lot to say about it. It'll mostly be in prep for our show, but you know, these are half hour episodes, so I have free reign to talk as much as I want on Twitter. So, if you have questions about what I've said. You know, if if you have questions about a prospect that I haven't talked about or um, anything that I said in the show and didn't elaborate, you can interact with me there. I will be happy to answer your questions. And I will constantly remind Grump to, as in addition to his college analysis, to look at potential free agents and cuts and things because, as we all know, that impacts your draft strategy, who you get in free agency. <laughs> so, For sure. Yeah, no, no. It's all yeah, part yeah. of my thing. Uh, analyzing college is a lot more in-depth, in my opinion, because you're looking at – yeah, it doesn't always translate, but you have a pretty decent idea in the NFL. Anyway, the rule, of thumb, the rule of thumb basically is you go for free agency for your immediate help and oh yeah, the draft for your long term. So, and speaking of long term, that's going to do it for us. Let's go Giants! <laughs> go Giants! <laughs>